Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, with me, your host, Mark Decano. You know, Charlie Chaplin once said, a day without laughter is a day wasted. And who hasn't spent the day wasted? I know I have. Wouldn't you rather spend it laughing? So join me as I ask the people who create laughter what it means to them. You can find out more about my journey in comedy fandom on my website, thecomedynerd.com. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. If you'd like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode is a writer, presenter, actor and comedian who you might have seen in the documentary series Looking for Louis or heard on audiobook in the Doctor Who story Northern Lights, for example. But I know her as a wonderful comedian and or person who performs stand-up across the UK and Europe. It's stand-up comedian Jinya Chang. Why don't we kick off with you, starting with your extraordinary background, and you tell me how comedy, where, where did comedy feature in these early <laughs> years? Yeah, so I was born in Bangkok, and I, my family's from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Bangkok until I was 18. And then, uh, as you've probably heard in my set, I moved straight from Bangkok to Coventry to yeah. attend university. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just been in the UK ever since. Um, but... You know, there's not much in the way of, well, stand up in particular. Mm. Um, growing up, I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, I guess I'd heard of like Sarah Silverman when I was a little bit older, but that yeah. was probably, yeah. In Asia, the extent of comedy when I was like a child <laughs> was like <laughs> Mr. Bean, probably. <laughs> um, then you'd have like friends um mm. and sitcoms but yeah that was pretty much it really yeah um stand up i i think i went to do you remember that club jonglers i don't even know how you pronounce it jonglers, jonglers. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> cut that part out no <laughs> <laughs> jonglers yeah i went there when i was like 20 or something like that and mm. it was like wow people do this <laughs> and then and then yeah my two best friends one moved to San Francisco and then one had a baby about five six years ago so me and another friend we were just like oh well you know we've got lots of free time now um there's this weekend workshop to do stand-up to learn stand-up in Mm. it's two for one on a deal should we just try it out it might give us like good presentation skills for our jobs and then ever since then we've just both still been been doing stand-up yeah, so. it's interesting that you just sort of it's like on a whim, not for the purpose of comedy in itself, but for something else like just public speaking sort of thing, getting confidence and things. Yeah, because yeah. I guess you I guess some people might, you know, obviously always have wanted to do it. But yeah, many people, I think, just sort of give it a go as a bucket list thing to just be like, I tried it. And then they're like, oh, I actually enjoy this or I'm actually yeah. not bad at this. And then carry on <laughs> have you ever tried it as a fan as a oh yeah you just go you go to more gigs than many stand-ups <laughs> <laughs> yeah I gave it a go a long time I was talking about this last night weirdly um I gave it a go a long long time ago but um you know I might give it another go never say never you know yeah. some people start stand up in their 70s so I got plenty of time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true though. I do think you know when we started most of my friends are obviously like my age which is 35 and older um and we're always talking about oh if only we'd started earlier but then we think what would we have talked about earlier that we have we would have had less experiences (laughs) less able to process our experiences so yeah yeah so having done a course then you would have done presumably a um, a showcase at the end yeah, so because it was just a weekend thing, mm. it was like seventy pounds um, for the two of us, which I think was a bargain. Um, but it's cost us a lot more since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just two afternoons in a pub. It was the Laughing Horse one, mm-hmm. and two afternoons in a pub, and then on the Sunday night, it was a five-minute yeah showcase. Mm. Yeah, like you said, and all our nearest and dearest like friends and family came to watch um yeah uh but it was because it was like a weekend course I know there's some longer courses Mm -hmm. where it's like six to eight weeks and you know uh quite intense those showcases are 
probably a little bit more open to the public (laughs) or as like a six hour weekend workshop it was literally like invite your closest friends who will not judge you (laughs) to this safe space yeah yeah so did did that give you the bug was that when you decided you wanted to do stand up no I think um it wasn't until maybe three three months later I tried my first actual um gig um but I remember the first person from our class to go and do one. We all went to support her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so cool because it was like actually seeing, you know, somebody try. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. Is it like when pirates, you push them off the plank? Yeah. But yeah, probably like three months later, because I still didn't know if it was, you know, what I wanted to do because I guess my favorite part of the whole craft is the writing part Um, I think some people are natural performers um, who are happily just on stage and just really good at the performing element Um, whereas yeah I think I enjoy the craft of the writing yeah when I've seen you on stage you've been I mean I've seen you described as having a positive attitude and you certainly come across that you're wholeheartedly committed to to the bit, if you like. Um, so, what you're saying that that that's a, an area that you are more anxious in, and you're more comfortable sort of putting pen to paper. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess it's easy for me to be committed to the bit in the sense that my character on stage is pretty close to me. Mm. Um, as opposed to a character, or as opposed to trying stuff to see how that lands I'll try words to see how that lands but Mm. as I guess you're speaking to me now I'm not necessarily all that much different to who I present as on stage Mm. Um, maybe not every story is a hundred percent you know fact in every way (laughs) (laughs) but I guess the character is quite reflective of my true self so I'm, I'm not a good actor um, I've tried it. I think every stand-up has tried their hand <laughs> in acting mm. at some point. <laughs> but I know what I'm good at. I'm not shy about that. And unfortunately, acting's just not <laughs> one of them. <laughs> um, but I did in in COVID. I attended a little workshop, a Zoom workshop with Olga Koch, mm. uh, who I think one time I met you at a Quipshed gig she was um yes opening yes she's great I, I love her mm. um and she in her workshop she talked about um how every comedian has to find their own path and not to think that all these things that are available to you you have to do and she said don't be pressured into thinking that you want to do a gong show or you want to do acting or you want to write for a radio topical you know news show Mm. um and all those things are things that I was like thinking I had been thinking the whole time oh I need to get on this I need to get on this and (laughs) she's right I guess not everything is you know you don't have to do all those things that you see comedians doing Mm. yeah not everyone's gonna enjoy all those things (laughs) and not everybody (laughs) it's going to be good at all those things um but until she said that I hadn't even thought that it's an option to not yeah do some of those things I don't know (laughs) sounds weird but yeah yeah you mentioned there about the character of you on stage and it's interesting because because some comedians are character comedians the person on stage is very deliberately and specifically someone else and then there's the other comedians who are saying, I want to be completely me or as much me and as honest about myself as possible, while also obviously exaggerating stories for comic effect. But do you feel like you have to be as honest and as close to you as possible? Or you say about being the character of you, is the character of you slightly detached? Does that afford you some protection? Is that you're, you are, in a sense, acting a role? Yeah. I once read a blog that... It, when I first started out, it was like about how to do stand up, not character. Mm. Um, you know, the American style observational stand up type. And the blog said something like the best characters for observational is when 
the character is you times 0.36% of you <laughs> on top of that. <laughs> and I'll always remember that because it's ridiculous because someone's just plucked that number out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like stuck with me somehow <laughs> where I'm like, okay, it's got to be me, but just like more. Um, but I am, I think it's certain parts of my character that I then tune up or down yeah. um, parts of my personality that fit the the bit. Um yeah, I don't know because I think because I'm more interested in the writing bits, I do feel um you mentioned the word anxiety, which I think is so apt that um on stage, if I don't have like a script, I feel like so vulnerable. Hmm. I need like a full-on script and to know exactly the order I'm gonna say stuff. And whereas obviously many comedians don't need that. They just have a general idea of the bit or just a general, you know, concept of what they want to say and they hmm. can perform it. Um, whereas like, for example, improv to me is like my worst nightmare. Um, I've done improv classes and they definitely help with my stand-up, but I just don't think improv is for me. But um, but yeah, the concept of being on stage with nothing is so scary. Um, I did a I did another sort of course thing with um Adam Brace and um Allison Thea Scott, um, both incredible, obviously. Um and they made us do this exercise standing on stage for, I think it was three minutes and saying nothing. Um, and it was eye-opening how that impacts your thoughts about yourself, about the audience, um, and just how different everybody responds to standing up there for three minutes. Hmm. Apparently at clown school, you have to do it for hours yeah <laughs> which is i think some people is that's literally their idea of hell <laughs> they want to wake up in hell that's what it would be just people staring at them <laughs> what are you doing are you acting with your eyes or are you just literally standing there and absorbing the stares of the people around you i think yeah i guess i i think you probably revert to what you uh, you know i think some people did funny expressions and you know traipsed around stage sort of performing or I just stood there a little bit awkwardly and <laughs> smiled <laughs> smiled at the people in the course that I was more friends with <laughs> um yeah I think maybe your natural instincts come out a little bit more um some people just could comfortably stand there for three minutes and just hold their expression which yeah, yeah. was amazing so yeah it is it is interesting but yeah, even, you know, people always ask things like, oh, do you ever still get nervous after, you know, these years doing? Mm. And um, I definitely, I definitely do. Yeah. Um, I definitely need to, like, have the script in my head. Yeah. Yeah. What about, <laughs> I know what you just said about improv, but if you're working off a script, how much space can you leave for improv when you have to respond to something from the audience? Um, You know, more and more, I'm, noticing um if I'm relaxed and I'm comfortable in the room then there's a lot of space in my head to interact with the audience and connect with them yeah. but if I'm in a different headspace then I just want to smash through my set as quickly as possible <laughs> any agents are listening I'm not always <laughs> um yeah those are the best the best shows where I think the best moments is when something is off the cuff and you just react to it and everybody's in the room with you. And yeah, those are the best moments for sure. Um, but I do try to write in the bits where I'll interact mm. um, to give myself that space and to know that it's coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of view my set <laughs> as sort of like stepping stones. So there's like bits that I need to get to or where the laughs are yeah. <laughs> and like yeah write in spaces to have fun and do other things and yeah. um 
Yeah, but definitely the key is to just be completely relaxed on stage. And, yeah. Yeah. So aside from anything that might be on your mind distracting you, what is it that puts you in that, that position of comfort? Is it comfort in the subject that you want to talk about? Is it, you know, when you get the first laugh and that settles you down, where, where is your comfort come from? Um, Definitely when you get the first laugh or when you, yeah, when you get the first laugh that you know you should. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, really bad at that where, yeah, if the first laugh doesn't come as loudly as it should, I'm like, well, I I give up. You guys are going to hate me. And in my head, I've already like given up (laughs) and walked off. (laughs) But I think probably the person before who's on what the reception to them is like, what the vibe of the audience is like, if the audience is laughing at all the things that I also find funny, then I'm like, great, this is going to work. But if there's an act on and the audience are laughing at things that aren't quite the bits that I would laugh at, maybe, (laughs) what are we going to get on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. If they're having fun, then I, I think I'm a little too sensitive to that like whether people seem to genuinely be having fun or not in the audience which sounds crazy because all audiences at comedy shows should be having fun (laughs) but it's not always like that (laughs) that is true (laughs) yeah you've been to enough um, but I think sometimes yeah um yeah I think more and more people are just thinking about the world or things going on and Mm. yeah so yeah I do think that their appetite audience's appetite for for comedians maybe less experienced comedians dealing with really heavy topics have become a little bit less like they're less patient with it I think if it's like a complex topic Mm -hmm. then they they expect it to be handled sensitively and done well whereas I think a couple years ago the audiences were more forgiving of anybody experimenting with any topics that they want to. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. I think it goes in both ways, in fairness. Either you want something addressed mm, yeah. and, and maybe you want someone to be quite emphatic about their position, you know, pick a side, mm. or they don't want it addressed at all because, you know, we want to, we want to giggle. We don't want to think about everything else, you know? No, it's, yeah. it's really true. Yeah. When you're writing your scripts, do you start with what you want to talk about or do you start with the jokes that have come to mind and then build around them? Um, the best bits are the ones that start with the with the joke that come into my mind and then it carries on from there. Um, the There's often things that I'm like, I want to tackle this topic and then <laughs> I try to write about it and it, it might not go as well. Um but I'm shoehorning it in because I'm like, I'm a comedian that does talk about this topic, like (laughs) sexism or feminism in this way. Um, But yeah, the best ones are just when like an idea for for a joke itself pops into my head first and then the bit comes from that. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about your female-led sex-positive comedy night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What is sex-positive comedy? Well, you know, I think we started it, gosh, it must be four, four years ago now. So there was a lot less of the rhetoric around sex positivity in the media as there is now. But it started because me and my co-host, Laura Thomas, um, she's great, check her out. We just noticed that many female comedians would talk about how uncomfortable they felt in normal spaces talking too deeply about sex themed topics Mm. and um and i mean i got this too advice a lot of advice about don't talk about sex if you're a woman um you know uh don't wear a low-cut top on stage because people will be distracted um and you you hear uh, you hear a lot about how oh if uh, someone finds you attractive they're not going to find you funny all this kind of stuff it's really weird <laughs> uh, and you hear all these things about yeah don't dress up too much on stage and all this kind of stuff 
when you start out. And we were both just like, what if we created a space where those things aren't true in the, in the sense that like we invited people to those shows that would like those things, would want to hear people talking about sex specifically, mm. um, who are open about their their own sex lives and are sex positive, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then just curated these lineups of comedians that do talk heavily about sex or have specific bits about sex. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we started to theme them around specific dates in our own calendars like um i think my two favorite ones were valentine's day one where we had six comedians and they were all couples so the couples <laughs> would um both be on there and we had andrew nolan and janine haruni both great comedians they had done a roast battle against each other um <laughs> and they both did their own sets but we ended the night in a roast battle that they did together. And honestly, I've never heard a room that loud with the audience just going crazy. Cause so many of the audience, cause it was a Valentine's night, they were all on dates mm. and that that was advertising timeout as well. So actually many of the girls from that night, they'd never even been to comedy. They'd never even been to a standup show. So they went on this date night and to see a couple do a roast battle, I think they were just like, wow <laughs> that's really cool um one of our acts had a couple come up to him after um and thanked him because he talked about in his set trying uh bdsm for the first time with his girlfriend who was also a comedian mm. so she was just talking about her own thing she didn't reference that but the, this couple went up to him and was just like thank you for talking about that because we've been thinking about trying it for ages but the girl had been quite nervous about trying some of these things she was like you made it sound so fun and chill and <laughs> you know just made it so accessible that I might actually give it a go <laughs> like I was like that's what comedy should do like mm. make people just feel a little bit less alone in their experiences that's ultimately what I think the heart of comedy should be to be able to laugh at things that you thought maybe was something wrong with you <laughs> and then you can laugh about it in a room full of other people and then you feel a little less alone or a little less weird that's what I think comedy in a nutshell is um, <laughs> later later <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but my favorite favorite one I think and all these nights were for charity as well and we would have um we would have a game show portion of it mm -hmm. um where because laura um my co-host she's obsessed with like old school uh english game shows like with bruce forsyth mm -hmm. i didn't even know who bruce forsyth was <laughs> um but all the audience did yeah <laughs> um but we would have these game shows where the idea would be to make everybody in the room comfortable and be more open with their uh sexuality so we can do things like um play your cards right mm -hmm. you know that one yeah where people would guess higher or lower so we would have maybe pick like four audience members and we would have them each we would ask them a few questions and they would each have to write their number on a piece of card and the audience would have to guess whether the next person's number was higher or lower mm -hmm. so things like um how old were you when you lost your virginity or <laughs> how many people have you slept with and the audience would have to guess whether the next person's number is higher or lower kind of to prove that like numbers don't mean anything and you don't have to be embarrassed about yours yeah. um yeah it's super fun um <laughs> but yeah the one the one I liked is the most memorable for me is we did one called the MILF edition for Ramadan <laughs> which stood for Muslims I'd like to mm -hmm. um <laughs> And we actually worked with a couple of Muslim comedians to come up with the name. And um, it got a lot of publicity. Um, and actually our headliner had to pull out because um, she was afraid that she would get backlash from some of the Muslim community that she had some advertising deals with and stuff. Mm. Um, but to me, that kind of illustrated 
why it was important to have nights like that. But the charity we worked with, um, the Muslim Women's Network, mm. they gave us a letter to read out to the audience. So we got one of the comedians, the Muslim comedians to read it out. And it basically just talked about how, yeah, spaces like this are needed to make people feel less alone. And um, there were two girls in the audience who started crying um, and they came to speak to us after. And again, they were just like, you know, they've just never been, uh, many of the audience were Muslim women as well. And they, yeah, they just said they'd never been in spaces where Muslims were openly talking about sex. They'd just never been hmm. in a room full of people that, yeah, were just accepting of it. And yeah, sorry, this got serious. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of thing. That's what I think. Yeah. Comedy should be all about yeah. the laughter is healing, you know, in a way to yeah. um, address things that are behind closed doors otherwise, or yeah. So that's the sex positive <laughs> comedy night. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's less needed nowadays right. in terms of since then it's only been about four years but since then I think people are a lot more open about everything <laughs> um you didn't really have you know Instagram reels or TikTok reels or mm. things like that where people shared intimate things about themselves or yeah. you know have um those kinds of spaces where yeah you can relate openly to, to things people are sharing yeah um yeah uh, you performed stand-up in Hong Kong. Yeah. Is that the first time you've performed stand-up in Hong Kong, going going sort of back? Yeah. And how yes. was that? And and how different was your comedy received in that by a Hong Kong audience? Yeah, it is the first time I performed comedy in Hong Kong because, um, because since COVID, I couldn't go back to Hong Kong. Mm. And I hadn't been back to Hong Kong since I started stand-up yeah. at all before COVID. Um, so the first time I did Santa in Hong Kong, it was still everybody had to wear masks. Mm -hmm. um, so you couldn't even see the audience <laughs> expression. <laughs> and the police came to check that everybody was wearing masks. Wow. Um, anyway, that's unrelated to the comedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really really good fun I was very nervous because it was like yeah how like you know here I, I literally could go on stage and be like I'm Asian lol and there's laughs <laughs>, <laughs> but you can't do that in Hong Kong <laughs> um, so they say that um being a uh, being a comedian when you step on stage they say that you can only have one weird thing about you if there's more than one weird thing about you you have to address it so being Asian is a weird thing being a woman is a weird thing having an accent is a weird thing so here in the UK going on stage I already have three weird things um but yeah so I was like what if none of my jokes actually work and it's just because I have these weird things and they they're the things I get less um but I adjusted them a little bit to what I knew local culture was and things like that and yeah it, it worked it worked surprisingly surprisingly well um still haven't invited any of my family to come see me <laughs> <laughs> but I will one day um but it was very very nice to to do that at, at when I I guess home to be there but also you have to be very careful to not make any political jokes so not that yeah. I have yeah any but it's, yeah, it's a lot of that as well so um but surprisingly the audiences were mostly white still even in hong kong hmm. um so yes it's still a very primarily western art stand-up well let's talk a little bit about edinburgh then mm -hmm. you've been to the fringe a few times um split bills and this year you did the the witching hour yeah tell me about the show and tell me about your edinburgh experience as a whole um, the Witching Hour was actually just a compilation show that um, a few of us girls um, took turns hosting throughout the uh, Edinburgh run. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I have done a couple of split bills um, with my comedy wife, Amy <laughs> Zander. Um, again, she's great. Uh, check her out. But yeah, we just did like 30 minutes each of stand-up. Um, I'm still working out if I do it because I want to or because it's, again, what people should do. <laughs> like everyone should do Edinburgh. Do you go every year? Uh, yeah, I've done 16 out of the last 20. Oh my gosh. I, we probably had this conversation drunkenly outside the pub. (laughs) (laughs) 16. Wow. Yeah. I've done, I say done. I've been to maybe four, Mm -hmm. um, two of which I was just, you know, doing spots at, uh, and then two doing a split bill. Um, I also work full time, so it's a little hard to get the energy or <laughs> time off to do it. But I don't know if that's just me making an excuse. Like oh, I couldn't possibly do the whole run. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, it's it's an achievement to to do that mm. whole run, one full hour. Um, I just think of it as like a jolly with my comedian pals um because <laughs> it's a it's a big deal isn't it to do your edinburgh debut mm. and have all of the pr around your debut and the big posters and all that kind of stuff um i i guess yes it's a jolly but definitely like a learning experience as well to to have that sort of yeah experience of putting on your own thing um I haven't done that much solo stuff yet though. Yeah. Again, I don't know if I'm just like making excuses to <laughs> not take the plunge yet. Um, because yeah, all my friends that have done it say it's it's the best thing ever, but also the most soul destroying thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Is that what it is? Is it is it for want of a better word, is it fear? You're keeping the idea of doing a longer a longer show or a longer run at arm's length? I think, you know, you know what you were asking me about how I write my material? Is it the jokes come or is it the stuff I want to talk about? Yeah. I think I'll do it. I'll do it when I feel like I have the actual message of what I want to say all put together into a neat show. Yeah. Um, right now I'm still not sure, um, exactly what my message is. So the sex positive night you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, about, yeah, I guess four, four years ago, I guess when I started stand up, I thought that was what I was super passionate about. And I was like, really, I really stood behind this idea that the world needed to be more open towards, you know, sexuality and, being accepting of that and I really thought if the world got better at accepting that then the world would be a better place because people would be open about more things Mm. and you know that's that was almost like the last taboo so if we broke that and made everybody open and happy about that then everybody would be happy about more things Mm. um but since covid (laughs) and a lot of other stuff has gone on in the world you know being you know having my eyes open to things like other inequalities in the world and you know diversity and inclusion and all this other stuff Mm. I'm like I feel like there's other things (laughs) that if you have a platform one should use that platform to talk about some of these messages that are important um and I don't quite feel like I've got that down yet in terms of exactly what it is I want to say um that might yes be fear in a way I um for example on Instagram sometimes I put up little reels of some of my bits as every comedian does these days (laughs) um some of the comments I get on there are shockingly vile (laughs) um like so maybe I'm more maybe my fear is around the response to the actual message that I want to put out there rather than my comedy, because I'm sure, I don't know if 
most comedians would say this. I was going to say, I'm sure most comedians would think this. I don't know if this is true. <laughs> but when I get comments that are like, this isn't funny, women aren't funny, am I supposed to laugh? Like all that kind of stuff is is fine because we get that feedback on stage all the time when you might not do that well at a gig. That's totally normal. Like, and that doesn't, you know, that that is a an acceptable negative response mm-hmm. to comedy content being put out there. But when it's stuff like... Like the last clip I put up, there were um, a lot of angry men commenting in my comments, like debating whether or not they would uh, fuck me or like how attractive I was or like um, all this kind of stuff that was just a little bit, yeah, like that. Um, I don't know. It was very, very strange. And that just, I think that sort of response makes me wonder like, do I, am I brave enough to, to truly do an hour show that is a hundred percent talking about what I actually think about the world? Right. Um, sorry, you look very concerned. It's, well, it's, it's, it's shocking, isn't it? I mean, you, you, no, you say I, things like that's normal, but yeah. it's not normal, is it? Um, or it shouldn't but, be at least. But you know, it's not just me. I think, I think it's getting worse just in terms of the online uh, responses that, that, people especially women seem to be getting on their social media Mm. Um, so yeah maybe there is a fear of saying what you really think and like all this cancel culture stuff and you know all that kind of stuff yeah that fear is probably bigger than a fear of like not getting laughs because i'm sure you've been to enough comedy shows (laughs) where that's just (laughs) (laughs) that's a normal fact of life um yeah. So, cause I do think like I'd much, you know, obviously comedy is meant to make people laugh, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I just want to make people laugh. I think I only want to make people laugh if it is laughing about a thing that I care about or that they should be caring about Yeah. or bringing something to their attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with stand up. Yeah. Um, I do think comedy, stand-up comedy has changed over the past few years in terms of like its role, its role in society. Because it did used to be very much like, you know, what's the the stereotype of like, what's the deal with yeah. phones or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now people seem to be diving into like quite thick, tricky topics. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just rambling today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's like what we were saying about you can either remove from the comedy the discussion of what's going on mm. outside, or you can focus on something and shine a torch on it, you know, get all mm. political, if you like. But, uh, you know, but that's the choice of the, the comic, and then it's the choice of the audience to decide which comic they want to they want to see. So, mm-hmm. But let's not talk about fear. Let's talk about you being brave. So... <laughs> Chess boxing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For anyone listening, I always get this question. It's chess, the the board game. Yes. <laughs> and boxing, not chest boxing. I'm not touching anyone's <laughs> chest. <laughs> um, so 2020 Raindance documentary foundation course you did. And then mm-hmm. within a year, you're, you win the Louis Theroux looking for Louis for your documentary about chess boxing of all things. (laughs) Why chess boxing? So actually an ex of mine had just randomly mentioned chess boxing as a thing he wanted to try. Um, Funnily enough, this ex also, after I started doing stand-up, he also tried stand-up. So maybe we just had this weird competitive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I had never done, I'd never played chess. I've never tried boxing and my idea for this documentary was um, because they only gave us a week to film this video. I thought if I tried both and then at the end of the week did a chess boxing match. So if you've never heard of the sport of chess boxing, it is what it says on the tin, three rounds of chess uh, in between three rounds of boxing um, and whoever wins the most points 
um, wins the whole match, unless it's a checkmate or you get knocked out, which happens surprisingly a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> I was just fascinated by it because I guess there's not many other things. I thought it would make a really good theme for a documentary because there's not many other sports out there that are both like this mental element and the physical oh. element. Um, so I was just really curious about the people who would be crazy enough to try that. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, though, the community were so lovely. They welcomed me with open arms. They let me film the whole, you know, time that I was with them. Um, they even one of them invited me to like their house party and stuff. So I got a lot of good content and it turned out to be a little bit, you know, that Louis through vibe where he mm. manages to get his little claws into a community and they kind of let him in like some of his old stuff so yeah that was really really um really fun probably the best week I've had since in god knows how long I can remember um <laughs> and uh yeah I think I probably just won the whole thing because there's a, a bit in it where I get punched in the head so they were probably like she should get this award because yeah. <laughs> uh, she got punched in the head and yeah so um yeah I think partially bravery but I do think I was also very lucky that I picked something where there was a community and they were so welcoming that I felt so comfortable just stepping into the ring and I and like getting punched because people were just like so nice that I was like okay just <laughs> I'll let you do anything, <laughs> but I'm still not brave enough to do roast battle, for example, Right. which doesn't involve getting physically punched in the head, but I, I assume you've been to roast battle. I, I hate roast battles. <laughs> I hate them because I don't like people putting each other down, particularly people that I admire and respect. I don't like them slagging each other off. It doesn't make me comfortable in the room. It should be a positive experience for me. And this this Schadenfreude of someone watching someone suffer is, <laughs> even though they're laughing, I mean, sure they people do it because they find it funny to be put down. I mean, what comedian isn't to some extent self-deprecating? But as, as as an audience member, it's not it's not my thing. I don't like gong shows either for the same reason. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done a gong show as well. I've done quite a few gong shows. Um, which also is, I think, yeah, it's really weird, like bravery. I don't know, with the gong show. So I won King Gong last year, mm -hmm. um, but I've also not lasted two minutes in other gong shows with the same materials. <laughs> you know, comedy is fickle. Um, but with the gong show, and maybe even with roast, I do think that the audience can smell fear. Yeah. So the minute that... Uh, I know we said let's not talk about fear but the bravery element I think maybe is like when you just don't act like you care or like obviously you care a little bit but where it's not like a desperation of like you need this thing or like where you are genuinely just like enjoying it for the sake of it as well like you're not yeah. doing it because you need it for something or you know I think that is a big part especially when a performance element is is um, attached to it. I definitely think people can see maybe with the chess boxing thing as well. Like I genuinely, that was genuinely like the most fun week I had. And maybe that came across in when I was presenting the thing, you know? So yeah. even if I didn't, you know, did I learn how to chess box? No, but like, <laughs> um, but like, I definitely think that, yeah, is a, big big part of performing in any way where you do genuinely have to like be comfortable and like enjoy yourself and then the bravery kind of follows I guess because you're just yeah I don't know you talked <laughs> to the, a little bit about being competitive and obviously you mentioned doing uh gong show but mm -hmm. what about other forms of competition like um you were semi-finalist in say so that you're funny shortlisted for the BBC new comedy award where do you where do you fall on competitions well, I've never achieved more than a semi. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> no, I, I just uh, entered the Leicester Square New Comedian of the Year as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, didn't get past the semi this year. Um, 
Yeah, I don't enter that many competitions. Again, that's something I do because people say you should do it. You should do it. Right. Um, and it's it's weird with the competitive thing because I guess with stand up, I started it because in my head it was like, okay, this is like my creative outlet. And I'll channel all my repressed creativity into this hobby and blah, blah, blah. And then as you go on, yeah, there's definitely things that like competitions where you're like, oh, well, I can measure how good I am by entering this thing. Mm. And a lot of it is also like just how you perform that day as well, to be fair. Um, mm. But I, the weirdest thing about comedy competitions, I guess, is that also you're competing against your friends. Yeah. Um, so... What was the question again? I'm just proud. <laughs> <laughs> it's how how you feel about competitions. Do you like beating your friends to the prize? <laughs> Do you feel better about competition because you are with friends? Yes. Yeah, sometimes it's just really fun to be with friends and get to experience that. Um, yeah. I find gong shows fun in the sense of like you're at the back of the room and you're just sort of like, you know, but like the more formal competitions, I don't enjoy them as much because it is um, like ranking a creative, you know, sort of yeah. output. Um, but I think there's definitely a place to them and everybody who's ever won is obviously really good. Like, I don't think there's ever a comedy competition where a winner is like debated um i think the only debate comes in where it's like oh well, the, the, this competition says it's been for people going for five years but they've been going for for six i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that um which anyway but yeah i think it makes you a better comedian in the sense of like that you you just some somehow have to think about your material in a different way Gong shows right. do that, competitions do that. Um, so that is what I like about them. Um, I think in the beginning, when you start out as well, they can definitely be like boosters and and mm. um, move you along. Um, but I, you know how I said, I have to be really like relaxed to do a good job <laughs> <laughs> or to have fun and to connect with the audience. I do find it a little bit hard to, because they always like every competition, they brief you before and it's all very mm. serious. It's all this and all that. And by the time you've gone on stage, it's like, oh my gosh, like, is this even a, <laughs> a comedy <laughs> show anymore? Um, <laughs> so I don't do well with, um, yeah, things like that. So yeah. Just making excuses. <laughs> <laughs> does that extra dimension of uh, a prize, however that prize might be abstract, does that dimension put more pressure on it or does it take the pressure off you because, you know, you've got a specific target to reach? Or do you do you go into the competition trying to sort of think it's just another gig and none of it really matters anyway? I should go in. that When I go in with that mindset, yeah. then... It works. I think maybe that's why I've never gone past the semi because the first few you're just like, yeah, whatever. It's just another gig. Who cares? But yeah. maybe like at the semi, I'm like, oh my God, maybe I could get to the final. <laughs> and then I just work it. Yeah. Cause at that, at a semi, there's usually like an industry judge or like some extra dimension that makes me like a little bit nervous. And then I just don't do well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds insane because everybody's watching you at a comedy show, but when I feel like there's somebody watching me, that's when I get nervous in a way. So like if an agent's coming to see me or my friend, friend like sometimes my friends, sometimes not. If I feel like my friends are there to like have their own night out and have a good time, mm -hmm. great. But if they're they it feels somehow like they're there to see me then I'm not then I'm like <laughs> which sounds insane because everybody is looking at you everybody's seeing you mm. yeah that's weird isn't it I hadn't thought about that until we spoke about this but yeah <laughs> I hate I, I know it's weird because I'm a comedian but I hate attention I hate any kind of like <laughs> I'm sure you get this a lot with comedians <laughs> but yeah any attention on me and I get so nervous even at like a dinner or something where 
someone's like, oh, how have you been? And everybody is expecting an answer from you. I'm like, uh, I'm fine. <laughs> what about you? And just like move on to someone else. <laughs> so how can we find out about you and how can we find out where you're performing? Um, well, usually because of what I just said, I don't tend to share where I'm <laughs> My best friends have only been to see me like three or four times in like as many years. Um, but I do sometimes post on my Instagram at Ginny Pie. Um, I post bits and pieces. Um, you can see all the clips that get all those weird comments if you want. <laughs> um, don't leave any. Um, so yeah, my Instagram is probably the place. Yeah. January, February, March, I'm back in, I'm back again at the stand doing weekend shows in Edinburgh in January, Newcastle in February and Glasgow in March. And so my final question then, as I ask all of my guests, how would you summarize comedy in a nutshell? Um, I would summarize comedy in a nutshell I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but I I feel like, so for me, after any show, success to me is like when someone comes up to me and not doesn't like just say, oh, you were really funny. When they say something like, oh my God, thank you for saying that because mm -hmm. it's so true or um, that bit I liked because that happened to me or something that's like, that relates directly to them and I think for me comedy in a nutshell is when you can make people feel less alone in whatever experiences they're going through and to get to laugh about it in a room of like however many strangers um sometimes five but sometimes hundreds <laughs> of strangers together and that makes them feel validated and just yeah a little bit less alone in the world and hopefully that's what comedy shows in particular should do for the world beautiful thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you